So some of you may have heard that Father Dan, our associate pastor, is in Spain. I got a text from him early this morning in response to my text that promised prayers as he has been walking the famed pilgrimage trail called the Camino that ends in Santiago, Spain, the shrine, the cathedral, and the burial site of the Apostle St. James. At its longest, one can walk 500 miles, and due to time constraints, he was only able to walk a portion of the way because his grumpy pastor told him he needs to come home and help us around here. But his walk was long enough to get the gist, to receive a completion certificate at the pilgrim's desk at the cathedral in Santiago, and most importantly, to grow in love of the Lord. I'll let him share about his experience upon his return, which I'm sure he will. He has great stories. He did assure me that his feet hurt, and he has been praying for us. I questioned the order of that report, but I digress. There is a movie called The Camino, about the Camino, simply called The Way. Even here in our gospel today, we heard the term The Way several times, which reminds me of the journey of our way to Christ. And the writings of the spiritual teachers of our history as a church, growth in the spiritual life passes through certain stages or ways. The first is the purgative way. And in that period during which we try, with the help of divine grace, to break away from sinful patterns and be purified of past transgressions. This is often a long, arduous process or way, but it is also a saving one. For if we reject the purgative way, we find ourselves falling deeper and deeper into sin. We have to remember that no murderer or robber or terrorist started that way. They accepted little sins without repentance, and down the slippery slope they slid. I've seen this from time to time in confession when a penitent comes after 30 or 40 years, weighed down with a bad decision that led to another and then another. I'll never forget an older man that asked, what have I become? Because we are sinners, we never quite step off the purgative way. This is why we, are, we as Catholics are called, for example, to examine our consciences every night, to see clearly what we have done and failed to do, and go to confession if necessary. Speaking for myself, thank God, confession is repeatable. It's humbling to look at ways that we have failed God and the human family, but it also leaves us walking more lightly and most especially free, freely when we have confessed as we move away from sin and toward Christ. After a serious attempt to purge sins on the purgative way, we find ourselves on the path of the illuminative way. During this phase, we learn as much as we can about God and his work in our lives. We study scripture, perhaps the catechism of the Catholic Church, along with the lives of the saints, for example. We embrace the sacramental life and seek to discern God's will so that we can obey it. I've seen many young men and women from our parish that have a deep conversion that has led them to a lifelong commitment to God and his church as priests, religious, and married people, men and women who can't get enough of the illumination that they found 
as a student of our faith. You know, those in our RCIA process that kicks off at the 645 Mass in about an hour, it kicks off this weekend. It is another good example as they break open the Word, maybe even for the first time, and attend classes to learn about the faith. And finally, the illumination of faith leads to the unitive way, characterized by a deep and constant experience of a life-giving faith relationship with God. I think of St. Therese of the Sioux, for example, we'll celebrate in a few weeks on her feast day on October 3rd, who accepted a vocation to love as her calling behind the walls of the Carmelite cloister in Lisieux, France. Or one of my favorites, Father Walter Chiswick, who snuck into the Soviet Union at the tail end of World War II to minister to trapped Christians under communist oppression, only to find himself embroiled in the Soviet prison system for the next 20 years of his life. Despite his incarceration, he braved his life and wrote about how perfect God's will is. And he was right where he needed to be for his salvation and the salvation of others. Well, as you can imagine, this level of sanctity doesn't happen overnight. It, too, is hard work. But I've seen so many at our parish set out on the way. There are many setbacks and obstacles, and one never reaches the point of saying, there, that's done, now what? There's always more worlds to conquer. Precisely because it's so hard, there's always the temptation to cut corners. I was reading an article about the most, most common exit ramp, if you will, off the way. It's a temptation to eliminate the process of the three ways altogether and replace it with a much simpler fourth way called the comparative way. It's not mentioned by the spiritual writers or the church fathers because it's a path whereby we convince ourselves that all as it, as it should be on the grounds that we are better than others. I hear this way in confession when a penitent says, I'm a good person, Father. I mean, I've never murdered anyone. If you said this to me in confession, know that I'm on the other side of the screen, rolling my eyes and shaking my head. Murder isn't the only bar that Christians need to deal with. Those on the comparative way are committed to a path of mediocrity in every aspect of their lives. You know, I don't have to strive to do the best at what I do as long as I can do it better than someone else. Academics, sports, sales numbers, parenting, or any other field or endeavor. On the comparative way, I can always look around and see others doing it worse so I can claim victory. Thank God I'm better than criminals and other street thugs, for example. Make no mistake, when Christians step onto the path of the three rays, purging and learning and growing in love of the Lord, we will be seen most especially in a mediocre modern world as the wicked of our first reading today. I look forward to this reading every year because I get to encourage people to be obnoxious by doing the right thing instead of the wrong, which sets us up against the world. But still, that doesn't give us permission to disparage and self-righteously discourage the least ones. 
That is, instead of encourage, criticizing others, we need to perhaps stay in our own lane, as the expression goes, and work the purgative path, purging our own sins of arrogance instead of discouraging others. The apostles fell into this trap when they argued about who was the greatest. And they were too embarrassed to speak when they realized that Jesus had caught them in the act of this comparison game. As he journeyed to Jerusalem to suffer and die, they were squabbling. But instead of shaming them, Jesus turned it into a teachable moment. Instead of berating them, he taught them the principles of what some call servant leadership. Look, if you want to be first, you put yourself last. This is what St. James calls the wisdom from above. It's very counterintuitive and very countercultural. So let us remember that the comparative way doesn't bring us closer to God. In fact, it estranges us from God and others. So it's back to the way, the hard work, being, as we hear in our readings this weekend, pure, then peaceable, gentle, compliant, full of mercy and good fruits without inconstancy or insincerity. If we commit to the three ways, one step at a time, as it is spelled out for us, we start to wonder, is it really so hard after all?